Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season seven, with episodes highlighting what God is doing among Muslims. Throughout Ramadan 2024, I will drop short daily prayer prompts. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or if you want them in your inbox, sign up at ontheroad.link. That's ontheroad.link. Let's jump in today with Tom Doyle, the author of multiple books about how God is at work among Muslims. I had had the book Women Who Risk by Tom, who's with me, and his wife Joanne, Tom and Joanne Doyle, um, on a kind of a reading list. And then I recently was just able to grab the audiobook. And as uh, my listeners know, I'm doing a series of um, episodes just focused on what God's doing in the Muslim world. So really excited that you were willing to jump on and maybe tell us a little bit about the book. But it sounds like you've got a lot of time and experience um, in the Muslim world engaging them. So I kind of wanted to start just by hearing your story um, yeah. as short or long as you want it. But ultimately, I would love to know kind of what brought you to engaging um, sure. the Muslim world and your interest in it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Peter. I was um, was pastoring a church. I ended up pastoring for 20 years and had no idea that God was going to call us away into missions. Mm. Uh, I was the lead pastor at a church in the Colorado Springs area, and we started doing mission conferences. And that same time, I went on an Israel trip, mm. went to Israel with, uh, I went to Dallas Seminary. They called Tim pastors that had graduated from there and said, we're doing a trip. And so we went and I loved it, uh, read the Bible differently. It was truly life-changing. What I wasn't expecting was to see this group called the Muslims. Now, this is way before 9-11, like six years before 9-11. I felt like I knew the Bible pretty good going to, you know, Biola Bible College, Dallas Seminary. I felt like I knew the future. I did not know the present. I really didn't. I was not interested in the news at that point uh, from the Middle East, but everything changed on that first trip. And also, we started meeting Muslims. We were meeting Jews that were practicing, and we were meeting Muslims. So anyway, to me, the Jews were the good guys and the Muslims were the bad guys. That That's all. It, it was definitely white hat, black hat for me. I just didn't even think about them sharing. I'm so embarrassed to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God changed that when I was I was in. I was in Denver picking up a car that had been worked on and Joanne dropped me off and the guy at the shop says, Hey, I'm sorry, your Suburban's not finished. We tried to call you and missed you. We need like one hour. So sorry. Can you go across the street? There's a Middle Eastern restaurant. Just go eat there and we'll pick up your lunch. So I said, okay. So I went over. So I've been to Israel a couple of times, even Jordan. And, mm-hmm. and I like Middle Eastern food. So I'm sitting there with a falafel and a Diet Pepsi. And all of a sudden, Two guys come in, and it's a really small cafe. Two guys come in, and they are, uh, they're Arab. They have black leather jackets on. They are whispering in Arabic, probably three feet from me. I mean, little cafe tables mm-hmm. are closed. Well, my dad was an FBI organized crime specialist, and uh, 
he also worked on the border where Muslims were coming across into America. So, I mean, mm. I, I I had this thing figured out in my head. These are Muslims. They're whispering. They're in the, the state capital, Colorado. They're probably here for no good. They're probably mm. they're probably going to do something, you know, and I'm just profiling them and they're speaking, whispering in Arabic. And all of a sudden, the one guy looks at the other guy and he just says in English, speaking, hey, Mahmoud, the Lord is amazing, isn't he? And I remember thinking, I didn't know Muslims use terms like that. That kind of sounds like stuff we say as Christians, you know. They go back to whispering. They go back to whispering. And I'm kind of listening in. Mm-hmm. And then finally the other one, a few minutes later, says loud, talking in English, hey, Mohammed, Jesus is Lord over Syria, isn't he? And he goes, mm-hmm. too bad he is, fist pump, you know, like that. And I sat there and I had this falafel, and I will never forget, it fell out of my hand onto the table, and I thought, these guys are believers, so I took a chance. I said, hey, are you guys believers? <laughs> and he's one of them said, yeah, are you? And, and I said, I think so. I mean, I, I was before this conversation. I don't know what I'm saying here, but yeah. but I was so flustered yeah. that here they are brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I profiled them that they must be terrorists because they had the look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened, Peter, is these guys, we just had this incredible fellowship. They were former Muslims from Syria, came to faith in Christ on fire for Jesus and said, hey, mm-hmm. do you have time to just run by our house. We live close to each other and our wives are there. We'd love you to just meet him. Would you come over? And mm. so I did. I called Joanne and said, you're not going to believe what happened. And so I go by and meet these, their families and they want to yep. feed me. And all of a sudden I said on the way home, Lord Jesus, forgive me mm. for not even giving these guys a chance. They have to be up to no good. They're brothers and sisters and brothers and the wives are sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that that was a game changer. Wow. The next time I went to Israel in the Middle East, I went with new eyes. I mm-hmm. found former Muslims that love Jesus and we got involved. So anyway, when God called us to leave the church pastoring, we decided we wanted to work with both. Mm-hmm. We want to work with Jews. We want to work with Muslims. Okay. And you know, Peter, everybody in ministry said, you can't do that. You, do, you mm. just can't do that because this group doesn't like this group, blah, 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 blah. And we would just say, you know what? We'd keep it simple. We think God's heart is big enough to love them both. Mm. And so started working with uh, MBBs and hearing their thrilling stories. So all of this started. I wasn't going to write anything. Mm -hmm. I just started meeting Muslims that were having dreams about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And way back in the day, I mean, I would take out with me everywhere I went a legal pad Mm -hmm. and write notes because speaking in churches, I thought, Peter, nobody's going to believe this story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get every detail right because this is so far from anything that people are experiencing. A guy had a dream about Jesus 30 nights in a row, and Mm -hmm. then he met. Christian neighbor who gave him a Bible and first time he read the Bible, it just pierced his heart. I got to write this down. Yeah. This will encourage believers, but I think they won't believe it. You know, <laughs> I think it is shocked. So I better get it right. So that's how it started. Ended up writing dreams and visions as Jesus awakening the Muslim world. 
after compiling stories for years, mm-hmm. Jesus dreams, uh, and then being motivated to just go and reach out to Christians or get a Bible or get online. And, you know, you, you work with Muslims, you know what it's like. There's, there's the, the Bible's been corrupted thing that comes out with Muslims. You worship three gods, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so, so we wrote this to just show Muslims what God was doing and to mm-hmm. kind of sound the alarm in the body of Christ that, hey, Muslims are reachable. Is there anything mm-hmm. too much for God? He's mm-hmm. leading the way. The least we can do is go pick up the low-hanging fruit that's there mm-hmm. after he's bombarding him with dreams and they're reading the scriptures. So anyway, that's what happened. That's Started awesome. writing books on what God was doing. Women Who Risk was the first book that Joanne and I actually officially wrote. And here's the cool thing. We were talking one day, Peter, and it just occurred to us. I said, you know, Joanne, places we were, okay, Syria, Iran, where we've smuggled Bibles, Iraq, all the, all the places throughout the Middle East. Seems like wherever we go, the beginning of the church, hmm. the underground church, the secret church, is with women. Mm-hmm. And Joanne, just, it just came out of her mouth. She goes, yeah, well, it's because women are the spiritual gatekeepers of their family. Mm-hmm. If they're concerned about their spiritual life and their children and their husband. So when they come to faith in Christ, they will talk to their family. They will. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, reach the Muslim woman, reach the mm-hmm. Muslim. Woman. And I just thought that is exactly right. And we need to write a book about some of these stories of these women that are risking their lives for Christ. And so mm-hmm. That's how it came about. Women who risk secret agents for Jesus in the Muslim world. But, you know, sometimes God, like God used the Muslims in the restaurant and God used Joanne saying that statement that just was a given for her. Mm -hmm. But somehow I had never put that together. It just like, it was like a wake up call and we knew we had to do something. So the great news is this, as bad as it looks after October 7th, seen what Hamas did to Israel and all the fallout and all the anti-Semitism around the world, more Muslims are coming to faith in Christ today mm-hmm. now than ever. More than ever. And if I can just say one more thing, we started a ministry called I Found the Truth. We, When we were at E3, we loved I Am Second, loved it. And we kept mm-hmm. saying two Muslim testimonies of people that had come to faith in Christ. They didn't feel, you know, maybe comfortable doing it. And I thought, eh, if we ever started ministry, we should do it. Well, we did. Mm-hmm. And I found the truth is former Muslims giving their testimonies. And since October 7th, the views went from half a million a month to over a million. Wow. And these Muslims that have come to faith in Christ declaring Jesus, I found the truth.com, and Christians that are saying, we got a big problem here. Why are we not reaching the Muslims? We need to. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do I do? And so it's all good. We're praying it'll raise up a Christian army that mm-hmm. passion their heart to reach Muslims. And Muslims are getting on going, what? This mm-hmm. guy is very leftism. What's that about? And so strategically, they're mm-hmm. placed in the world in that. But anyway, mm, man, Those all are- of us that love reaching Muslims, these are great days. The world's a mess, mm-hmm. but Islam, Muslims are open more than they ever have been in 14 centuries. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh man, so many places we could go. I think I would just love for you to share. It could be directly from 
from uh, the book or one of your books, or maybe there's just another current story, um, but just a story of what God's doing. Um, love for you to share just a story of God at work in the in the Muslim world. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share one that just happened a few months ago. So it's actually not in the book. Hopefully it will be one day. Right. But, sounds um, good. You know, for us, it's very easy to meet people at a Middle East restaurant and talk to them and share Jesus. Very easy. You know, um, we're not going to get thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. But we have a friend in Syria. His name's Rami. Rami was a pastor in above ground church in Syria. There are on on the ground churches, you know, in places like Jordan, Syria, mm-hmm. West Bank, Lebanon. So he's a pastor there, evangelical pastor. And there is uh, one thing in Syria: the government tries to keep the religions away from each other. They don't mm. want the Druze by the Alawites because they fight and. The country gets destabilized, and right. and they the Muslims away from from the Christians and all of that. So anyway, Rami's a pastor, and one day a Muslim family comes and they talk to him, and it's a husband and wife, and they have children, and they've been having dreams, and they've been meeting Christians, and they have questions for him, and they are pretty far down the road, Peter. They have considered the claims of Christ, and they are they're mm-hmm. moving toward that. And so finally, after just sharing with them lovingly, he's not forcing anything on them. He's just answering their questions. Mm-hmm. They're ready, mm-hmm. and they want to pray to receive Christ. So a lot had happened before they met him. Anyway, he prays, leads them to faith in Christ. They have children that are not little toddlers, but mm-hmm. but uh, children uh, grown, and they pray to receive Christ too. Mm-hmm. Well, as we always say, the, the line in the sand is not that commitment to Christ for the Muslim, it's baptism. Mm-hmm. That's the line in the sand. If they ever hear Muslim family that that their children or someone in their family has been baptized, that's it, and it's usually a death sentence. Mm-hmm. So immediately they talk to him about, we, we, we want to do this. So mm-hmm. I think it's about a week later, they get baptized. And so anyway... Obviously believes they're not going to be going out and putting this on Facebook or anything. You know, they're not going to be telling everyone. But somehow, someone in the family finds out about it, and they call the police. They call security. So Rami is driving through Syria once, one day with his wife, and all of a sudden gets pulled over mm-hmm. by policemen. They check his license and they say you're under arrest. And they take him in a police car. His wife follows along into Damascus, and they're booking him. And they won't tell her why they're mm-hmm. booking him. Finally, as everything's done, all the paperwork is done, she finds out they're arresting him for for proselytizing, and they put him in a Damascus jail. They have, she has no idea when he's getting out. She doesn't know is this a court case? What happens? I don't know. And so she leaves and is heartbroken. Well, this Damascus jail has a a ground floor. So this would be for people that, I don't know, didn't pay a speeding ticket or something like that. They might give them a day in jail. But there's three floors underneath it, uh, one, Mm -hmm. two, and three. And the third one below the the ground floor is called the dungeon, Mm -hmm. in fact. People call it in Syria the dungeon of Damascus. Mm. And it's so for the hardened criminals. These are the ones that um, rebelled against the government. This would be a place where ISIS is, mm-hmm. different people like that. 
he's going to the third floor. They're taking uh-huh. him down to the third floor under the 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 ground floor. And he gets there. And as he's walking in, the first thing that hit him, it just assaulted his senses, was just the the smell, the horrific smell down there, the screaming. Uh-huh. There was not much light. There was a lot of shadows. There's some light coming in these just stained windows that fogged up and just dirty. No one ever cleaned them. And he goes in, and as he's going in, he thinks in his mind, I'll never get out of this place alive. The, the government is not going to execute me, but someone will certainly do it here. Mm. It, it'll happen because they'll find out what he's done. So they lock him in a cell with 38 Muslims, mm. the only believer. But before he went in, Peter... He realized he had his New Testament in his back pocket and and mm. been checked and all that stuff. And they don't give him a prison thing. They just take him in their clothes. He says to the guard, oh, I have this, my Bible in my pocket. Do, do you want to take this or can I keep this? And the guard said, you, you can keep it. Yeah, keep it. So he does, puts it in his back pocket. Well, he gets in there. And he says, these are, these are ISIS. These are Al-Qaeda. These are bad dudes. Mm-hmm hardened criminals gets in there clank the door shuts and he thought this is it i will lose my life here so i'm going to go out in a blaze of glory i'm going to share jesus i'm doing it because i know i'm going to die here i'm never getting out of here so it ended up um as people are meeting him nothing's happened yet they come to deliver the food and they just throw pita bread on the floor to the end He'll scramble for it, and and that was it. And I mean, horrible, the smell, and people have gone to the bathroom in the corner, and it's just awful, and they're throwing bread on the floor, and they're eating it, and he said it just overcame him, the Spirit of God. He uh, just said, can I say something? Uh, in my faith, we, we pray before we eat. Can I pray? And the guy that was kind of the ringleader with ISIS, hard dude, just looked at him like, what in the world? And he says, whatever, whatever. And so he just, he prays, Lord, Mm. thank you that we're all here together and thank you for our food. This isn't the best place. We pray we all get out one day, blah, blah, blah. Praise this prayer. And he said, from that point on, the whole situation changed in Mm. that. Nobody hurt him. Nobody, Nobody bothered him. At the first night, he put his back against the wall and skidded down to sit on the floor. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to have his back to inmates, so it was against the wall. He actually fell asleep, felt peaceful in the middle of the night. He feels a tap on his shoulder, and he opens his eyes, and this guy says, can you memorize my phone number? If we ever get out of here, we have to meet. I've, I've got to meet you, so I don't know if we'll ever make it out alive. Mm-hmm. Here's my phone memorize this he goes why do you want me to memorize this and he said because i've been having dreams about jesus mm-hmm. at night and i need to talk to someone and you're a christian i want to talk to you he said that happened each night he was there wow. People came forward. I, someone shared with me about jesus i want to talk we obviously can't do it here he had the bible he started mm-hmm. reading passages expecting to just get his face bashed in nobody did People mm. were listening. Finally, after five days, Peter, they let him out. He's shocked. They let him out and calls his wife, come get me. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You're okay. 
And so she drives down to Damascus, and there he is waiting for her. And she gets out of the car and runs and throws her arms around him. Are you okay? What happened? And he said, it was the five best days of my life. <laughs> he goes, I, I don't know how to explain it other than that Jesus was in that prison cell. Mm. And there are people that have been prompted by the Holy Spirit. They've had dreams. Mm -hmm. We're going to be meeting with some of them if they get out. And it ended up that there's been four families he's met with that the Lord had been touching their hearts with dreams, with reading scriptures, seeing things on, on television, hearing things. And, and all of them had mm -hmm. prayed, Jesus, that doesn't happen all the time. That is, uh -huh. you've got to ask him the two questions. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? You're willing to die for Jesus before you pray to receive him. And um, four families come mm -hmm. to faith. So he thought it was a death sentence, but he gave life to four families. And we keep praying for more to come to faith in Christ. But that's mm -hmm. a picture of what's happening in the Muslim world. It's like what we see in Scripture. I love this verse. Is anything too hard for God? Mm -hmm. Of course it's not, right? Mm -hmm. That's good. Yep, God has a pattern of working in and out of jails. So that's amazing. Right. We've seen that before, yeah, right? I've heard that too. If we, if you want to kind of peel back the curtain just from your experience and um, both writing and current, like, what would you say you're learning or seeing when it involves just like what God is doing? Are there any, yeah. and you can take that wherever, whether it's a pattern you've noticed or something that you feel like is worth highlighting, but just kind of giving an opportunity to share anything that you feel like you're learning about um, the Muslim world and what God's yeah. doing there. Well, you know what I would say about what we're learning about Muslims here is this they're lonely. Many of them are lonely, uh, leave their country, move to Dearborn, Michigan, Texas, wherever, may not have any friends other than Muslims. And so I found that um, when we first started going to the Middle East and we were involved in missions, we were seeing so much happen out there, but then we'd come home and just kind of go back to our normal life and not think about reaching them. So one day we were with our grandkids and uh, we were in a mall, and Joanne said, oh, my gosh, Pottery Barn is having a story hour. Let's let's take the kids. So we did. And we sat there, and and as we were watching this little, all these moms, Joanne noticed these two little dark-headed kids there, olive-skinned. Mm -hmm. They looked like they were from Egypt, and all the kids were sitting together talking. Here's these two kids, brother and sister, nobody, nobody with them. Mm -hmm. And so Joanne started scanning the crowd, and she looks around sees a woman in a head covering and just makes a beeline for her and mm -hmm. just talks to her and she's by herself. So how many Christian women mm -hmm. were there and didn't think to go up and at least meet themselves, meet, meet mm -hmm. this woman. And you know what? We were there years ago. We understand that. Anyway, so Joanne meets this woman and just talks through the story hour about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And after that, this woman, as the kids are coming back, she looks mm -hmm. at Joanne and her mom, and she said, Joanne and Anne, I will never forget you for the rest of my life. Thank you for coming to meet me. And yeah. you know what? Hey, listen, Muslims watch the news. Mm -hmm. they, they see what's happening out there. They know what their religion is capable of. Mm -hmm. uh, they fled that country because they don't want to live there. And so it's very easy for us in the body of Christ to just not even reach out to them. Mm -hmm. But that's not an option for us with the Great Commission. And so I think that the number one thing you can do 
If you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a heart for Muslims, is pray that God brings them into your life mm-hmm. and you'll start to get one. You'll start yeah. to get one. And so we're seeing that here. There's there's a loneliness. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's radical Muslims here. They're everywhere, you know, yeah. around the world. What we're seeing in the Middle East is this, that there's a young generation, certainly as we watched October 7th and the Hamas torture of Israelis and everything that's happened since then, there are a lot of young people that are wanting to go the way of jihad, but there are a lot of young Muslims that are connected to the internet, that they're watching movies, they're seeing life outside of the Islamic bubble, and they don't want to stay, and they want a new life, and they're open. And so we need to just really pray for the laborers there to not get fatigued. Uh, Since the war in Israel, there's a lot of restrictions on believers there, and they're being watched. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, right now, Peter in Syria, if you and I were on the street, we had a conversation, and if either one of us said the word Israel, just said the word, Mm -hmm. all someone would have to do is pick up the phone, call the police, and we'd be arrested. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, think about that if you're a pastor. Well, right. it was the Old Testament in your preaching, right? I'm going to be going there. And uh, it's just that that's how sensitive the situation is. Yeah. We need to pray for the laborers that are out there, those who go back and forth, too, mm-hmm. for wisdom on how to navigate this new radical thing that's happening in the Middle East. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Those are great. And Part of the reason I'm doing these series of interviews is just to to kind of focus towards, I believe it's um, maybe March 11th is a, probably when Ramadan will start. Um, yeah. We'll just be curious whether it's a story or like what, what role over your time um, with the Muslims has Ramadan played? Is it something you really think about a lot or you just don't yeah. know? But would love to just, uh, yeah, ask that, how Ramadan kind of affects yeah. things. Well, you know, we always seem to be in the Middle East during Ramadan or in, or in Iran, they call it Ramazan. And so it's a time of blessing there. We've found that if you just respect Muslims and ask questions like, hey, you know, we're Christians and we do this during the spring and we're hearing about this Ramadan, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some Muslims will invite you over for breaking the fast. Mm-hmm. And we've done that in several countries where we went over, respected them and and they're looking at the clock, so they're going to get to eat, <laughs> you know, and then and, and you get a chance to just um, show uh, concern for them and and love for them and and um, not criticism, respect what they do. And and through the love of Christ that they see in you, you'll get a chance to talk to them about Jesus. And of course, they're going to say, well, yeah, Jesus is a prophet and. And mm-hmm. we always will say something like this. Ah, yeah, you do see Jesus as a prophet. Hey, can we tell you something that's happening right now? And they'll say, yeah, it's with your people. It's with Muslim people. God is lifting up the Muslim people around the world. Mm-hmm. He's honoring them. And they'll say, how? He's coming to them in mm-hmm. dreams. Jesus is coming to them in dreams. Hey, can I tell you a story from Iraq with mm-hmm. a new friend? And they'll always say, yeah, Okay. Tell me a story. We tell them a story about what happened in Iraq. A Muslim had a dream or this happened in Ramallah in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip or whatever and tell them stories. And so we're getting into storying. Mm -hmm. We've heard their story. Now we're telling them what's happening with their people. And then we'll go into this after and just say, well, you know what? I used to be religious 
I used to be religious. I was a religious person, but I'm not anymore. And they'll say, you're not? No, no, I gave it up. I just, Hollis, gave it up. Arabic word for it's over. I, uh-huh. I gave it up. Why did you give it up? Because there were so many rules. I found that I was getting in trouble with my religion by not keeping all the rules. And then when I kept the rules all the time, I didn't feel any closer to God. Mm-hmm. It just do anything for a relationship. I gave it up and then say, well, what are you? What did you do? And I'd say, I gave up religion and I just started to follow Jesus. So we mm-hmm. follow Jesus and we're not religious, but we follow him, read what he said and try to live like he did. And because we just found out that keeping a bunch of rules doesn't bring you closer to God. Only Jesus can do that. Mm. That starts a conversation because you know what? My testimony is really their testimony. They mm-hmm. know their answer. They know that their prayers are not going anywhere. They're just reciting the same thing five times a day. Mm-hmm. And and how monotonous is that? And so anyway, uh, that'll start a conversation. And we'll just say, yeah, we just, we're, we're not religious. We're not religious. We follow Jesus, though. We follow mm-hmm. Jesus. So. Mm, those are good. Oh, I love those. Those are great conversation points. So I will definitely make note of those myself. Um, I want to end a last question in a second with yeah. just talking about the importance of believers um, praying. But um, before I do that, we'll, we'll put in the show notes um, several ways to connect to you, but just kind of give you an yeah. opportunity if there's any specific resource. Obviously, we mentioned the books, but is there anything you want to yeah. kind of um, mention just uh, on air, quote unquote, while we're... Sure. And, I and think of... Yeah, believers want to go to I found the truth, I found the truth.com. These are great Muslim testimonies that here's what a lot of people do. We have people that have come to faith in Christ from Iran. Yeah. So you meet someone. Oh wow, you're from the Middle East, Central Asia. Where are you from? I'm from Iran. Oh my gosh. I just saw a video from a guy in Iran. Hey, could I get your number and send it to you? I want to see what you think about it. It's real yeah. simple. They'll love that. Now, they may not like the message, but it will it will cause them to think. And then you have an opportunity to get back. They may be, well, I don't like that. I don't, oh, okay. Well, what did you think about what's happened to him? I found that pretty interesting. What, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. that you can open up some questions and, um, and see what they think. Maybe God touched their heart. Mm-hmm. But um, we have them from all over Somalia, the Gaza Strip, Jordan. Yeah, great. Iraq all over the place and uh, Lebanon. So it's very simple to just say to someone you meet, oh my gosh, you're from Lebanon? Well, I just saw this video the other day and it was really cool. I want to see what you would think about it. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me what you think. And so that's a simple thing to do. So this is kind of a no-brainer question would be phrased, why is prayer important? But I'd love for you in that question, just to maybe lay out a challenge for believers that are listening, whether they already have a heart for Muslims, maybe they're, this is the first, this is kind of an eye-opener for them, but just, man, call us to prayer when it comes to just our Muslim friends. You know what, Peter, when I first, as a pastor, started really getting interested in missions, we would do these conferences, and it was always with these prayer movements. And you know who was the major block of people they were always praying for? It was Muslims. Mm. One the world is Muslim, and very few people are out there reaching, and we got to pray. And there was these praying during Ramadan. There were all kinds of different things that you could do. I mean, there was even one group that was adopted terrorists. They used to take the world's worst terrorists around the world. Osama bin Laden, let's pray for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, 
God could save him. He could do anything, right? right? And so there were these prayer movements. And I remember, gosh, hearing about them in the 90s, I didn't know one Muslim that had come mm-hmm. to faith in Christ. But we got involved and started praying with people in our church. And then we started going to the Middle East, weren't seeing much happening. But then all of a sudden, we did start seeing things happening. And gosh, when we were at E3 and Uncharted, as we take teams doing a medical clinic, it mm-hmm. wasn't uncommon to see 20 Muslims pray to receive Christ that had mm-hmm. been meeting Christians or seeing things online or having dreams or whatever. And so I think here's what it is. Joanne said this once. I, I, I get all my good quotes from Joanne. Joanne said this, prayer, prayers are live streaming before God. And she uses the the uh, situation in Luke where uh, John the Baptist's uh, parents, Zachariah, as he comes before the Lord, mm-hmm an old man they had given up praying for children long ago mm. the angel says your prayers have been heard before god mm. and he must have thought what prayer <laughs> and the, you're gonna have a child i haven't prayed that prayer near they're too old to have kids right they're like abraham and sarah prayers are live streaming before god we could pray a prayer once mm-hmm. and it's still right in front of god they're eternal and so think of all these prayers, think of this prayer movement that happened for decades. Anybody know any Muslims that are, I don't know any, it's not happening, but people are praying and they're praying and their hearts are softened. And we just say this to the body of Christ. Every time you see a Muslim, pray for him. Mm-hmm. Every time you go by a mosque, just pray, Lord, everyone that enters in there, would you bring a believer to them that would love them to Christ? Would you... Get a Bible in their hands. Send them a dream. Let them get online and meet believers. So open them up to the gospel. Everybody that goes to that mosque, would would mm-hmm. you reach out and touch? Pray for them. Women, it's very simple. You'll see them as veiled women. Pray for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, we just need to continue the prayer revolution because I think we're just seeing the very beginning of what God has done and what he's going to do. And I'm trying to think of the first uh, Zwemer, I think it was Samuel Zwemer, said this. He spent his whole life trying to reach Muslims, and not much happened. But he did have this, this vision, and he said, I see a day when shiploads of Muslims mm-hmm. will be coming to the foot of the cross. And that's happening now. Mm-hmm. And just think what's going to happen now with more people praying, more people. Praying. And you know what? You look at the news and we should use that not to just get caught up on all the latest disasters as a prayer prompter mm-hmm. to pray. I mean, I've had so many people tell me we're praying for the believers in Gaza, the secret believers. And it's horrible. We were just communicating with them this morning. One of them, Mohammed, he may not, he may not survive. He's so sick in the midst of it. He's in a refugee camp. It's just terrible there. Mm-hmm. They go to get food. Hamas is shooting at them. And so anyway, we just we need to pray for them. Prayer is live streaming before God. We need to just continue that prayer movement. We're seeing things happen today. A lot of things. It could be much more. So at the very least, pray for Muslims to come mm-hmm. to faith. Whether you see them on TV or as neighbors or anywhere you go. 
Be sure to check out today's show notes for links to the resources and books that Tom talked about. If you want to join a 24-7 prayer initiative for Muslims of a specific people or place, check out PrayForMovement.org. That's Pray, the number 4, Movement.org. Look for the Ramadan 2024 tab. From there, you can find dozens of peoples or places to sign up to pray for. And if you don't see a people you have a heart for, I encourage you to create your own campaign and be the one to catalyze prayer. Thanks for listening. This is Feeney, encouraging you to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.